Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, give it up for all the dads in the house that have been through any of that. Come on, I don't know if anybody can relate to that last part. That happened to me a little bit. I didn't put that in the video, but come on, I I think there's a little gag reflex going on, changing diapers and all that kind of stuff. Come on, dads, you are our heroes. One more time for all our dads in the house. Thanks for being here today. We honor you. I think we got some stuff for you out there in the lobby. And I'm, I'm a little bit upset because they didn't put an age bracket on. I'd have done all the push-ups and pull-ups out there, but they, they didn't have age brackets on it. So I decided to just, you know, not, not do that today. I didn't want to embarrass anybody or any of that for my age bracket. But uh, I think 71 is the, is it still holding strong out there? Somebody beat 71? 90 right now? Dang. Who, who, is that right there? All right. All right. All right. Come on. I, know I don't know if anybody's going to beat 90. So you might be in for the prize. Uh, but there's a bunch of stuff we have for you guys today. We are in our series called Boot Camp, and I just want to just honor dads today, and I'm going to give you some uh, thoughts about um, really just what we go through as dads, and it's not, it's not easy being a dad. It's not easy uh, serving God, loving your family, doing it right, walking, uh, providing, and protecting, and just there's a lot of pressure on, on men and on dads, and so the last thing I want to do today is beat you up. I want to encourage you today. I want you to know that um, you're doing better than you think. And uh, you got people around you. You're not alone. And uh, we need each other. And uh, we need the community of God's people. And I'm excited about just what God could do in your heart today. We had three people give their life to Christ in our first service. And so, and that's amazing. People saying yes to Christ. And um, we have 49 students going to camp uh, tomorrow. And so they're going to be in Alabama. We're praying for God to really do something in their life. And and change families. The, the, right in the end of the Old Testament, um, right before God went silent for 400 years, Malachi said that God would turn the hearts through Jesus. Um, God would turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and daughters and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And he said, um, unless I come and strike the earth with a curse, that, that literally that there's this uh, powerful curse reversing uh, heart of God to turn fathers' hearts to their families and to their sons and daughters and sons and daughters' hearts to their fathers. And so uh, there's nothing more impactful than the presence of a good or bad father. There's nothing more impactful than the presence of a good or bad father. And so um, many of you maybe didn't have a great father, great example. Uh, the point of the church, the point of Christ, the point of the kingdom is that this is a family we get to get born into and born again, and we get a new heavenly father who is the perfect father. And uh, I want to introduce him to you today in a way, because uh, many of you might fight the really orphan spirit. I think the orphan spirit has invaded uh, the heart of Christians. Oftentimes we all deal with it. And uh, that's the heart of where we have to fend for ourselves, protect ourselves, provide for ourselves and promote ourselves. That's what happened in the garden when they fell and they lost that, that, that status of sonship and daughterhood. They began to feel like they had to do their, do it for themselves. And so that's what I want to look at today. And I hope you leave here knowing uh, the father in a, in a new way, a little bit that you're introduced to the father, to father God. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit um, to introduce you to me. The Holy Spirit lets us know who Jesus is in a powerful way. And then the point of Jesus, when you see Jesus, the Bible in Colossians says that when you see Jesus, you see the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. 
But so whenever you wonder what the Father looks like, everybody says, well, no one knows what no one knows the heart of God. Yeah, we do. We see Jesus. That when you see Jesus, you see the fullness of God. When you see Jesus, you see the heart of a father. When you see Jesus, you see the heart of healing, the heart of providing, the heart of caring, the heart of reconciling, the heart of sacrifice. You see the heart of God on behalf of his children when you see Jesus. So I pray that you could see him today. Romans 8, 12 through 17, it's in the message version. And this is really uh, where I get my thought today. It says this. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? Come on, dads. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you received from God is not timid. It's not a timid grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Come on, I, I just hope somebody today would receive that. Like, like man, something good's on the, on the horizon. Something, some adventure's coming. Something great's gonna be in my life and in my family. This spirit that you get from God, it's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? I mean, I don't think a lot of people treat church and God and Christ like, what's next, dad? Like, what's next, papa? It's like, uh, you know, sometimes when we've seen different, different religions and that religious spirit, it's like, ah, I got I to gotta do what God asks because it makes him happy. I got to do, you know, it's not just that it makes God happy, that it's, it's when, you, when you live for God, it's, con, it's, it's not contrary to you. God knew how you were created. He knew how he designed you. He knew how you were called to live. And so it's this adventure. It's this expectant, like, what's next, dad? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. Here's the heart of it. I want you to know who you really are today, that we know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with him also. My title from today is just, Death to DIY. Death to DIY. He says, would you give it a, a good old-fashioned burial? Come on, where are my DIY dads at? Any DIY dads in the room? <laughs> I see one going, no. Death to DIY. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you said you would not leave us orphans, but you'd send us your spirit. Holy Spirit, would you uh, reveal Jesus to us in a new way? Would you show us another facet of who he is, his heart, his care for us? And then we could ultimately see God in a clearer way. We'd see him as father today. That anybody that's battling, maybe somebody didn't have the father they needed or didn't feel like they can be the father they need to be, I pray you'd fill the gap today, that you would empower them, you'd speak to them, and you'd leave them encouraged and strong today because of who you are and what you did. In Jesus' matchless name, amen? Amen. That we would bury the old DIY life. Come on, being a dad is scary. Being a parent is scary. Uh, parenting feels like a DIY project sometimes. Uh, I did one a few months back, and my wife, at, at her, at her uh, suggestion for me not to do it, I surprised her. I Googled it, came home, or YouTubed it, came home, and uh, tried to um, strip off all of the, the uh, varnish on our bathroom vanity, and uh, just made a run to Home Depot, bought a big jug of like whatever you're supposed to paint that stuff with, painted it down, left it on for a few hours, stripped it off, destroyed the whole thing. It was the, mo it was the most horrific. She walked in, she's like, why did you try to do this today? I, I was like, like when, I, when I get something in my sights, you know what I'm saying, man? Uh, like when I, when, I get, when I get motivated, I'm like, ah, today's the day, you know? 
And um, then uh, that was bad. And so I should have just gone and bought a new one. But instead of doing that, I decided to farm out the DIY project to another guy that told me he could build uh, a vanity for my bathroom from scratch. And so uh, he built that for $1,100, um, which is a a great deal if you're going to buy one at Home Depot. And uh, I paid the $1,100 and I got a very um, odd cabin look in my bathroom. Um, (laughs) Look nothing like the pictures that we want, and we're still uh, living with a vanity that has no top on it, no sink, with a with an old door from our garage that's been on the top of our vanity for three months because I decided to do a DIY project and ended up at Home Depot buying one that we're waiting on to come and to uh, be delivered. Going, anybody ever done the project and it turned out worse than it would have been if you had just got the expert to do it? I think parenting sometimes, or dad being a dad, provider, leader, male, man, whatever it might, you know, just being that as a DIY project, it feels like. I know when uh, my wife had our first child, he's 20 in July, kind of hard to, to imagine that he's 20. Um, but uh, we, we had him at a, at a birthing center, so it was, was kind of not a hospital, but had all the medical stuff in it, had a PA there, a nurse, he'd been a nurse practitioner for years, and uh, it was a, a, you know, kind of a crazy experience. We went through Lamaze classes or Bradley classes, breathing classes, we read books, we did all the classes, everything, and then you go and you have the child, and like you do like 16 weeks of classes how to birth the baby, right? But they don't tell you how to bring it home. They tell you how to... You got nurses and doctors and medical devices and birthing balls and birthing baths and birthing tubs and, and all, all the things that you need, but they don't tell but all they don't tell you how do I bring it home and, and keep it alive. It's like, huh? And then you, we ha- she had the child, and then it's like two hours later, they're like, okay, you can take him home. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the same day. Isn't there a waiting period? Like, don't you have to do a background check on me? Like something like, like I needed all this equipment to birth him, but all I need is a little special bag and a baby seat to drive him out of here. I'm trying to figure out how to work the microwave still. Like, how can I keep this kid alive? It's a DIY project. It's a figure it out as you go project. And sometimes it can be daunting. Sometimes we can feel like we don't know what we're doing, but here's the deal. God picks unqualified people. I meet so many people so often that are so fearful or afraid or waiting. And it's like the reality is God chose people and chooses us who are unqualified. He picks people that know they don't have what it takes because he gets all the glory when he does something through them. He wants us to be a place of going, you know what, God, I I can't do this myself. He wants us to need his voice, his word, his community, his thought, his opinion. And I need God. I'm not qualified. Being a parent feels like trying to do it myself. I can't. I need God. You need God. Jesus paid the price so you don't have to. Jesus paid the cost So you don't have to do it yourself, that you can rely on a supernatural power. And here's Satan's tactic. Satan's tactic on humanity, but especially on dads, is to make us think that we can do it ourselves. That we can, that we have what it takes to do it. That we can just figure it out. That we can YouTube it. YouTube is no substitute for God. And as men, sometimes we just think we can figure it out. Like I'm, and here, here's what it sounds like. Often you might not think, well, I, I need God, but it can also sound like this: I should know how to do this. I should be better. I, I should know better. Or someone said to you, you should know better. I can figure this out on my own. I don't need any help. I'm good. 
I'll call my DIY buddy. You know, I, I got this. How are you doing? All, I'm all good. How you doing? No, I'm good. It's fine. I'm all, I'm good. Come on, you meet people. I'm good. You can't get too close. I'm good. It's all good. We're good. Everything's good. I'm good. If I don't do it, nobody will. If I, if I, don't, if I don't take care of myself, nobody will. If I don't take care of my family, nobody will. Now, I'm not saying dismiss your family, but, but those are DIY comments. Those are, I've got to make myself successful. I've got to, I've got to do what, what I, I've got to do. I just have to put in the work. We have a whole culture of, of do, DIY, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not pull yourself up and, 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 and do your best and suck it up. Christianity is that I don't have what it takes and I need a savior. I need a God. I need a supernatural power to give me the strength and power to be what God's called me to be. Jesus said it. He goes, you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing. Like, do we really believe that? Here's what he's really saying. You can do nothing eternal apart from me. Like I brushed my teeth this morning. I, I, you know, that's not eternal. Hopefully it might not kill somebody, but, but the reality is like, I can do nothing significant apart from him. He tells us that in the scriptures. And I think sometimes we try to go about living our life, doing ourselves. And listen, we get stuck. I don't know about you, but I get stuck at times and we get stuck. I was in a, a, a father son camp and some of you have heard me tell about it, but I, I was there years ago and took my, my son. It was dads and sons. My son was about 14, going on 15 at the time. And uh, they had all these obstacles and adventures that you had to do with your sons. And, and uh, they had this one telephone pole, 80 feet tall, and you had to climb the telephone pole and then stand on the top of the telephone pole. And I mean, I remember that last step. And I wasn't going to be the only dad that didn't do it. And I, I wasn't quite as good a shape as I am now. So, I, you know, I've gotten back in shape. I was, I was getting stuck, man. I'm like, I got to get up. And I've just pulled myself up and took that. You got one foot up and then you got to take that last leg and pull it up 80 feet in there. This pole's like swaying. You're, 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 you're strapped in. But once you get to the top and you're 80 feet up, then you have to jump to a trapeze bar and grab that thing and then hold that. And you know, you're just, everybody's trying to prove that they're the machoest dad on the planet. You know, like you can't let any other dad show you up. And so we're all doing that. And, uh, there's this one friend of mine, his name was Jason. He was there Jason uh, was on an obstacle. They called it the Odyssey. And the Odyssey is like this big trapeze, high wire in the sky, flimsy. You're overcoming fears. You're, you're 80 feet in the air. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And Jason's up there and uh, they have little uh, guides that take you through it. And they have, they hold the rope when you're in this little girl, Mary, her name was Mary Kate. And she was probably 105 pounds. She's down there and she's holding the rope for Jason. Jason's 270 pounds <laughs> and top heavy, <laughs> Got little legs, look like Mr. Incredible up there, right? This dude's huge. And Jason, Jason's on the on the on the tightrope and he's walking, he's screaming, he's like, ah, you know, he's walking. This dude, he falls off, he falls off, he 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 timbers off, right? And and he's grabbed, he's grabbed a hold of the wire, and he's got the wire, and he's upside down, and he's got one leg up on the wire, 270, upside down, trying to get himself, trying just Get, trying to get his body back up on this little wire, and he's just hanging, screaming, Mary! <laughs> she's down there holding the rope, and she's down there going, Jason, you're doing great, Jason. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing so good. Finally, he's like, he's a pastor. He's like, Mary, shut up, Mary. I'm 270 pounds and I'm stuck upside down. I'm not getting myself back on this wire. I'm not doing great. This is not Disney World, Mary. <laughs> Call somebody and rescue me. 
I mean, we were laughing about it for two days, man. And she's like, you're doing so good, Jason. <laughs> trying, to, trying to just encourage him back up on the wire. The reality is there's sometimes we're not doing so good. We get stuck at times and all the self-help and all the self-motivation and all the, you're doing great. It doesn't matter. Like I need somebody to come and rescue me and help me back up on the wire. I need, I need God. I need friends. I need brothers and sisters. I don't want to just hang there upside down. And God's saying that you don't have to do this on your own. I, I, I wrote it down this way. Stop living beyond your limits. So often we try to live beyond our limits and push ourselves to these maxes that, that God never intended for us to live beyond. And I need him and everything. I can do nothing significant apart from him. Some of you are in a boat right now where you're hanging upside down and you're going, I'm good. I, I got it. I don't need help with this business or I don't need any thoughts into this financial situation I've gotten myself into, or I don't need any, any, any outside perspective on this marriage or this, this situation I'm in. No, I'm good. No, 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 you're not. And here's the reality. Write this down. God will increase your inadequacy to increase your dependency. So often we're wondering, why am I feeling so inadequate? Because God's wanting you to depend on him more. And there's scriptures that talk about different ways and different storms that we end up in. Sometimes we end up in a storm that God blew. Sometimes we ended up in a storm that we imposed. But no matter what type of storm you find yourself in, God, when we cry out to him, answers and delivers us from all of our destruction. Look at Psalm 107. It says, their soul aboard manner, all manner of food, and they drew near to the death, gates of death. Then, then, come on, anybody ever, then, <laughs> Where are all my then people? You got to get to the gates of death before you cry out. <laughs> then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. Come on, there's a word to, to see someone get healed. There's a word in the house. There's a word in your heart. There's a word in a friend. There's a, he sends his word in all types of ways. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Listen to this. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with, it, with rejoicing. Those who go down to the ships in the sea. Now he goes into people that are doing business on the sea. This can relate to our life, doing business out on the waters of life. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on the great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands, who? Jesus, God, commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down to the depths again. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Anybody ever gotten to their wit's end? Anybody ever felt like, man, I can't do this? Well, sometimes God's putting some things in our life to get us to our wit's end. Why? Verse 28. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he, Jesus, guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord in his goodness for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Sometimes the things that we go through are for God to get our attention to go, you know what? I can't do this. I can't, I can't 
navigate this storm. I can't make this on my own. I need help. I need to be dependent on God daily. I need to cry out to him every second. At this camp that we were in, uh, they did an exercise with the fathers and sons. And some of you heard me talk about it. Some of you hadn't, but it's so powerful and so pertinent to the thought of God being our father and leading us. They blindfolded all of our sons and they put the dads with the sons, one dad to their son. And there was about maybe 15, 20 of us. And, uh, and they did an exercise where they said four things with you and your sons. There's four things. And they told us and they told our sons four things. They said, and we told our sons this, our sons are blindfolded. We're in an obstacle in the woods, going through trees, through drop-offs, through dangerous paths and trails. And they had the sons blindfolded. And the four things I said to my son were, um, I will never leave you. You can ask me anything. Only listen to my voice. I'll never leave you. You can ask me anything. Only listen to my voice and I'll never lie to you. You can ask me anything. Only listen to my voice. I'll never leave you and I'll never lie to you. And so those were the only instructions we had. And we began to navigate these obstacles down through the woods and you'd watch some different sons that just just began to kind of take off on their own. Like, I got it. I got it. And this one son just, I remember the kid, he just started going with hitting trees, hitting, uh, slipping on pine straw. The dad's like, oh, wait, wait, wait up. Just go, just navigate, just going into danger on his own. Not, no, no, not asking his daddy, not talking, just taking off. I remember this one son, we were all done at this point. This one son, um, we were like, uh, dads were done and our sons had made it. It was about, I don't know, 10 of us sitting over there. And this last father's son group right there, they're going on, they're in the woods, they're in the edge of the woods. And we've all taken our blindfolds off or our sons have taken their blindfolds off at this point. And we're looking at this kid and for 32 minutes, he's standing on the edge of this little drop. He can feel with his arms crossed, not asking his father one question. Wouldn't, wouldn't speak silence. And at this point, they had told the dads, you can't respond to the sons unless they ask a question. Sometimes you feel like God's being silent, but you're not asking. Sometimes you feel like God's not talking, but you can ask him anything. And so here's this picture and this son. There was some rift between the father and son, 14, 15-year-old boy and a dad. This son's mad at his father for certain things, probably whatever, being a dad, being a son. And, and, so, and so this son literally has his arms crossed for 32 minutes and won't ask his dad, what's the next step? All of us are finished. So we felt bad for a while. Then we started getting ticked off. We're like, come on, dude. We're like praying for the kid, like, ask him. We're hungry. <laughs> Ask him. Like, can I tell you that there are people in your life that are begging you to talk to God? There are people around you that are suffering the consequences because you refuse to talk to a heavenly father. You refuse to humble yourself. You refuse to just say, God, I need help. There are people suffering around you because you refuse to say, God, help me. I need God to help me. You, you know, you know, the, the ones that succeeded, my son did well and other sons, the ones that succeeded, they figured it out. You know what they did? They blindfolded, began the process. And they did this. Am I good? 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 Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Isn't that what God wants from us? Like daily, like, like nonstop. God, am I good? 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 Because life feels like it's a blindfolded DIY project sometimes. God, is it good? Is it good? Is it good? And, and then it gives him the opportunity to go, no, 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 slow, 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 slow down. Oh, no, 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 take a little, little step to the right. There's a, there's a drop off. 
Oh, wait, wait, no, just take a step to the back. Am I good? But, but as long as the, our kids were continuing to ask us, am I good? Am I good? That was a question. God or the Father, we were allowed to respond to that. I just want to encourage some of you like, and you're doing better than you think, but you got to keep talking to him. And I know it might not seem practical, but then you check your phone every 1.2 seconds. Update, 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 update. You can check with God every 1.2 seconds. Am I good? 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 There's no greater impact on your life than a father that wants to communicate and talk to you. And I think sometimes it's easy to proclaim God as master, Lord creator of the heavens and earth and sustainer of all things living and all powerful and all knowing omniscient, all sufficient, all, all else should die. Jehovah, all these amazing, amazing names. That's, we can declare that all, all seen, all part. We can say all that creator of the heavens and earth, but to understand him as dad, that's when it gets hard. That's when sometimes like dad, father, Hey, you got my back. Hey, I don't have to figure it out on my own. Like, like the hardest thing for me to understand is that you're dad. And there's all types of skewed perspectives of that. And I just want us to know the real dad, the real father that we have. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says it this way. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God or sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. When you got saved, when you gave your life to Christ, you did not receive the spirit of fear. For any of you that walk in fear, that fear the future, that fear the now, that fear any of you that fear, that's not God's spirit. You, were, you did not receive fear. And a presence of fear is the absence of a father. The presence of fear is the absence of knowing a father. According to this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Father. So that lets me know that the deeper revelation I have of a good father, the more fear has to run from my life. The more worry has to leave my life. Paul is talking about adoption. Here's what's beautiful. Here's the adoption process. Adoption is a process whereby a person assumes the parenting of, for another and in so doing permanently transfers all rights and responsibilities from the original parent or parents. Unlike guardianship or the other systems designed to care for the young, adoption is intended to affect a permanent change in status as such requires recognition by society through legal and religious sanction. Here's the thing about God adopting you. It's not, it's not like you, 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 you're with him for a while and then you go back. This isn't foster care. This is adoption. This is, there's no, the, literally the only rights uh, the, in the Bible, a natural son could be disinherited. An adopted son could not be. The, the, the rules, the laws of the day of the Bible, when, God, when Paul's talking about a, this type of adoption, you could do crazy stuff as a natural son, be disinherited by your family. But if you were adopted and chosen to be adopted, you, they could not write you off or disinherit you, no matter what you did. Here's the, here's the beauty, beautiful thing about adoption. There's no accidental adoptions. There's, there's no surprise adoptions. There's no unexpected adoptions. You've been chosen by God. You've been adopted as a man or woman by God. That you've been affirmed and approved and loved and beloved. You have everything from the Father's resources in heaven. And in the church, I'm just telling you, I know Christians, I, we all battle it at times where we have the orphan spirit. You, you say no, but the reality is you, that's why you have to promote yourself so much on social media and 
Why you have to shout your opinion so strongly and have to be so defensive about what you believe because you don't actually believe that God's ordered your steps. You've got to call. I'm not saying don't work. You got to go to work, but you don't have to promote yourself and climb the ladder and do whatever it takes to get ahead. Like, like if God really numbered your hairs, not just counted them, numbered them. He knows when number three is out of place. He knows when you don't have any. <laughs> he got like, you don't have to fend for yourself and promote yourself and exalt yourself if he's really father. And so I think the choosing of almighty God is the biggest miracle that we could ever imagine. And some of us have distanced ourselves from father because we only knew the pain of a natural father. We didn't have that in our life. We kind of have that orphan bondage in our life in a way. And so we're scared sometimes orphans seem, seem strong, but they're actually scared. Orphans seem tough, but they're really afraid. And so many of us sometimes seem so tough when we actually have a little bit of fear in our life because we don't know father. And I just want to encourage you that if you know him, you should be the most confident, chosen, strong person on the planet. Not cocky, not arrogant, affirmed, accepted, not having to prove anything to yourself or anybody. And the devil's strategy in John 14, Jesus says, I've sinned my spirit. You'll never be an orphan. And the devil's strategy is always to try to trick you into thinking that God's not your father and that you're an orphan. He did it to Jesus in the wilderness. Remember when Jesus was out in the wilderness? And, and here, here's, here's what you need to know. Usually the devil will make you question your worth in the wilderness. When you're going through something, when you're dealing with something, that's when you begin to question your worth and Satan shows up. And this is what Satan said to Jesus. Hey, if you're a son, turn these stones to bread. If you're a son, perform. If you're a son, prove it. And that's what the enemy does to us and religion does to us so often. If you're a son, prove it, perform, do everything perfect. Tell yourself that you're never going to have a bad day and you can get back up on the rope by yourself. If you're a son, you shouldn't be in this condition. You should know better. You should have never done the DIY project on your own. Like you, if you're a son, you should have known better. That's what Satan does. He's constantly doing it. He did that. He got them to perform in the garden, tried to get Jesus to perform. And then, and then in the garden of Eden with, with, with Adam and Eve, Satan comes to Adam and Eve and says, Hey, God doesn't want you to eat this apple because he knows you'll be like him. That was the great deception. They already weren't like him. So, so he was saying, you're not a son. You're not a daughter. You're not part of God's family. And if you do this, God's actually holding out on you that God's keeping something from you and that he, he, he knows that you'll be better and have something better if he gives this to you. No, 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 no. God knew our design, how we were created, what we should have in our life and not have in our life. And many of you, you're either trying to prove your sonship through, through uh, performance or through pleasure. We go through rule keeping or rebellion, trying to find our identity. And so I just, I'm going to get to that in a minute with the prodigal, but Moses dealt with this and I'm going to give you three ways to kind of counteract this orphan spirit. Moses dealt with it. Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter, no father. Moses was raised in the courts of sin and the culture of sin. Many of us have been raised by a culture of sin. And then we come into the kingdom and don't know how to relate to a heavenly father. And so Moses doesn't know who he is. So the minute God says, Hey, I want you to go do something for me. I want you to deliver my people. Here's the conversation. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh in Exodus three, 10 through 12 to bring the people out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out. And God said, I will be with you. The very first battle that Moses dealt with was an orphan battle. He didn't know his father. It's the battle of I'm so dysfunctional. 
I'm so dysfunctional. Moses had killed a guy, buried him in the sand. God comes to him and says, I want you to do something for me. And Moses says, who am I? Many of you, when God's asking you to do something or serve him or lead your family in prayer, or step out into a connect group or get on a serve team or be a part of the church or whatever it looks like, or bless somebody in the community or pray for somebody or go start a Bible study at your work or whatever. You're like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I'm so dysfunctional. Can I tell you that I sometimes, like I, my wife and I, we, we, we'll have battles on Saturday. We've been learning to see it coming, but the enemy will try to get us to battle on Saturday before I come preach on Sunday so the enemy can make me think how dysfunctional I am. And he wants to try to make me think I'm dysfunctional so I can't actually get up here and be worthy to share the word with you. That's what his trick is to say, oh, you're so dysfunctional. Come on, can I tell you, we all got some dysfunction, somebody. All of us. I don't care if you're a mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, employee, boss, whatever. We all have a level of insecurity that we think comes from an insurmountable dysfunction. But the reality is, write this down. It'll be on the screen for you. Dysfunction does not equal disqualification. You are, you are not disqualified because of your dysfunction. And Satan will tell you you can't do it or you, you're not enough. And I'm just, I'm just want to encourage you, man. We've all got dysfunction. And here's the reality. Our greatest destinies come out of our biggest dysfunctions. Some of the dysfunction that you're hiding and that you're so embarrassed to talk about is actually the thing that God wants to set someone free with. Some of the things that you're so ashamed of sharing in the dysfunction are what God wants to use to start a ministry through you to encourage other people. I just, I just have seen God turn dysfunction into destiny. If you'll allow him to get the glory, he'll do it. God comes back to Moses and said, hey, listen, I know you're dysfunctional. I know you don't know who you are, but I'm your God. I'll be with you. He does some miracles, takes the rod, turns into a snake, does three signs, says, I'm going to be with you. And Moses says this, I don't, I don't speak good. I don't, I'm slow with speech. I'm not a good, a good speaker. Some people say he has a stutter. Some people say he didn't know Hebrew well because he was raised in the courts of Pharaoh. So he didn't speak the Hebrew language, the natural language. I don't know what it was, but Moses hard and the battle was, I'm so deficient. The first thought was, I'm so dysfunctional. Then the enemy now is saying, I'm so deficient. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the tools. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills to do it. I feel deficient. If we're going to be honest as dads at times, we feel deficient. I just... When, when I'm trying to figure out how to win the heart of my children and be a good father and repent from when I blew it and said something stupid and that, thank God for my wife, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Sandra, not always in that order. Sometimes it's Sandra, Holy Spirit, Father, God. And she'd be like, you blew it there. You need to go tell your family, your daughter, sorry. What are you doing? Like, I know, I'm, okay. And I'm smart enough and, and humble enough to go back and say, okay, I, I, I can't do it in my own. God, I need to, I'm deficient on my own. I need you, Jesus. So, so we need to be able to not buy into the lie that we're deficient. We need to say, you know what? I am without God, but I've got God. And so since I have God, I have everything I need to make sure. Some of you are covering up your deficiencies. I said it in first service. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it all three days. If you get all three services, you get offended. I'm sorry. Covering up your deficiencies is like a bad toupee, somebody. You don't need it. Not that, nowadays, man, bald sexy nowadays. Come on, guys. It's facts, right? I can't, I can't pull it off because I got a little teeny head and big shoulders, so I look like Mr. Incredible or something, but I can't do that. So I'm praying I don't lose my hair. But some of you guys are pulling it off well. Like, obviously, I'm like, man, I'm sexy. I wish I could do that with a beard and no hair, no hair. I mean, but you see a bad toupee, and you're like, oh, why they do that? I didn't need to do that. You want to tell them, come on. If you're going to be real, can we be real in church? Come on. You want to tell them. 
I can tell, but you're scared to ask. You're scared to say, hey, you know, no one wants to say anything. Like, no one wants to say. When you begin to cover up all your deficiencies, it's like everybody can tell. And they're like, just be honest about it. God knew all your insecurities and deficiencies before he chose you. And he chose you anyway. He picked you anyway. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, God, you get all the glory from my deficiencies. In the last battle, Moses is out of excuses. God says, listen, I'll be with you. I'll teach you how to speak. I'll go with you. Moses says, pardon me, your servant. I don't want to go. Verse 12 and 13. Basically, he says this. I'm doubtful. I'm dysfunctional. I'm deficient. And I'm doubtful. I'm, I doubt you can use me. He didn't doubt. Listen, he didn't doubt God. He doubted himself. Usually, that's the enemy's tactic is to get us to doubt ourselves begin to doubt if we have what it takes or if we can make it. And I just want to encourage you. Come on. You are approved by God. You're affirmed by God. Sonship and daughterhood is not dependent upon behavior, but birth. I know you blew it. We all have. I know you're not where you want to be. It's okay. Reality is you're a son or daughter based on being born again, saying, Jesus, be my savior, be my leader, be my Lord. I don't, I'm not efficient without you. I need you, God. There's three ways to conquer these three things. I'm going to give you three thoughts real quick. Number one, if you want to conquer dysfunction, number one, look out, not in. Look out, not in. Some of you look in so much. We have a society that wants to be so self-aware. Can I tell you, self-aware will depress you. You can look in. I mean, I'm not saying don't be self-aware and care for yourself, but you can look in all day long and you can mess up any good thing by looking in over and over and over and over. What do I mean by looking out? There are so many needs in the world. There's so many people that need served. There's so many people that need help. That's what a lot of this is about church. Why do we have teams and serve knock Saturday and serving food and caring for people and coming in and, and people getting on a team and in, in production or worship or cameras or, or because I can't take away your deficiencies and your doubt and your dysfunction. I can't take that stuff away, but I can give you a bigger purpose to actually look out in. And when you begin to look out and serve somebody, help somebody, bless somebody, give to somebody, now your dysfunctions begin to disappear in comparison. Some of you have so much dysfunction because you're so inward with your family. And some, you've, you've sacrificed the altar of the call of God on the altar of family. Some people have sacrificed family on the altar of ministry. It goes both ways. Some people don't, won't put their kids in the, in the, in the, nursery or that they're 12 years old because <laughs> you're just so fearful of like dropping your children like so the dysfunction you're like so inward and oh, I need family time man you know how many hours you get with family time <laughs> I can't serve because we don't have my business I'm, once this season is over you're just so inward I'm not telling you this because we need more people serving Tell you this because I know some of your dysfunction will disappear if you actually begin to serve and give your heart to something bigger than your problems. I know it will. I want to encourage you, man. Look, look out, not in. If you feel deficient, number two, look up, not down. Look up, not down. It's easy for us to look down and say, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. I don't, I'm not, I'm looking down. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I don't look up, look up, look up, look up today. You become what you behold. Whatever you're looking at is what you become. Be behold Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's got all the tools. He's got all that you need. Look up, not down. Quit looking at the mistakes. Quit looking down on yourself. Quit looking down on those around you. Look up. If you feel deficient, look up. And the last one, if you feel doubtful, look forward, not backward. Look ahead. Quit looking back. If you feel doubtful, yeah, you blew it yesterday. Yeah, we messed up. Look ahead. Do you know that there's a shadow behind you because the sun is in front of you? 
Whenever you have your back to the sun is where the shadow sets. Quit chasing your shadow with your back to the sun and begin to chase the sun, begin to chase Jesus, begin to look forward and not be doubtful, but be hopeful in what God has for you. Look forward. Don't look backward. Quit regretting. As I close today, you can stand to your feet with me for a second. The two prodigals in the Bible didn't know the love of a father. You're like, wait a minute, it's a story about one prodigal. No, it's not. It's a story about two prodigals. You had the older brother that was in prison in the palace. Some of you think you have to do all the rules and do everything perfect to have God's approval. You went through that with the natural father. You never feel like you're enough. You never feel approved. And the older brother was the religious rule keeper. He didn't know the love of a father. The story's really about the love of an unconditional father, an unconditional love of a father. And the older brother did all the rules and did everything and still lost his identity. He was finding his identity in rule keeping, in performance. If I do everything right and perform right, the father will accept me. And he got angry at his other brother, the rebellious brother, and he was finding his identity in pleasure. One in performance and one in pleasure. Many of you, me at times, or trying to find my identity in rule-keeping, in performance, or in rebellion and pleasure. When we don't know the unconditional love of a father, we try to find identity. When we're separated or estranged from him, we're estranged from ourselves. When we're estranged from ourselves, we're estranged from others. When we're estranged from others, we can be in a crowd of friends and feel alone. It's because we don't know the unconditional love of a God. You might not have had everything you needed from a natural father, but I'm here to tell you the spirit of God is here and he's in this room and I believe that he can heal. He can set free. He can speak to your heart today. I believe he already has. You can let yourself off the hook. You don't have to pull yourself up off the, on back onto the wire. God's here to help us. And if you feel doubtful, deficient, or dysfunctional, welcome to the crowd. Welcome home. And I just want to pray for you today to have healing in your life for you to be introduced to a good dad. You don't have to keep all the rules and you don't have to rebel. You can be who he called you to be. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your people. Thank you that you're a good dad. That When we feel these ways, you come on the scene. You said when we cry out to you, you calm the storm and take us to our desired haven. I pray for dads today, Lord. Every storm in their life would silence that we would cry out to you and we'd be honest about where we are. We would not live the DIY life. We wouldn't do it ourselves. We'd put a burial to that. We'd put that to rest. We'd get on with the good life of knowing you as dad. Thank you that you approve us no matter what. You've accepted us because of your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for paying the cost so that we can have this relationship today. If you're in this room, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you say, you know what? Man or woman, I've struggled with this battle. I've struggled with that orphan thought. I've struggled with having to perform or I've struggled with having to, to with, with seeking my identity, trying to figure it out. I've been doubtful or dysfunctional. I don't even know if I could overcome it. Lord, pray for me. If that's you, would you just put your hand up to me? Pastor, pray for me today. That's me. You're speaking to me today. Come on, hands in the room. And if your hand's not up, mine is. Every one of us have felt at some time dysfunctional or deficient or doubtful. Father, you know every single situation and every storm that's raging right now in our life. And I pray for dads this morning specifically, but I pray for dads and and daughters this morning. I pray for sons and daughters in this room that we would receive the spirit of adoption again. That the Holy Spirit would cry out, Dad, Father. 
that we would not have fear. I rebuke fear, fear of providing for ourselves, fear of every situation or any storm that we make it because of who you are. Thank you, God, for encouraging us today in that. No one looking around just for another second. If you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you're the ultimate DIYer. You've been carrying your own regret, your own sin, your own life. You've been carrying and leading yourself. And you know you're not right with God today. You know you've never counted on him for your salvation, for deliverance, for freedom, for eternal life. The Bible says Jesus died a horrific death on a cross, lived perfect. So you and I don't have to. Took our sin, our shame, our regret. Took all of our own strength, our own abilities that we try to make ourselves right. Took all that, nailed it to a cross, rose from the dead to give us a brand new start with God. If you're in this room and you need a fresh start with God or you're watching online, I want to pray for you here in a second. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. If you know you need a fresh start with God, the Bible says if you would just surrender to Jesus, you get a fresh start with God. No one looking around right now. If you're online, would you just type in fresh start? I need a fresh start today. We want to pray with you. If you're in this room and you know you need a fresh start and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Would you put your hand up high to me? I need a fresh start with God. Thank you for your boldness, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Come on, anybody else, hold it up high so I can see it and pray for you. I need a fresh start with God. I need to surrender my life to Christ today. I can't do this on my own. Thank you for your courage. Come on, church, people saying yes to the Spirit of God, to, to Jesus' work on that cross, to a relationship with the Heavenly Father. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. No magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Would you pray it with me? Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I know that you're a amazing God, that you are God. You died for me. I believe that you took my sin, my shame, my regret. You took it all. You did the heavy lifting. You did what I couldn't do. You died in my place. You took my punishment. I turn from my ways. I turn from my strength. I turn from my life. And I trust in what you did on that cross. You're my God. And I believe today you rose from the dead to fill me with your spirit and to adopt me as a son or daughter. I'm in the family. I surrender to you. Would you lead my life the rest of my days in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, would you give God some praise in this place to several people saying yes to eternity. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.